In the story of David, we see a foreshadowing of the coming kingdom of the Messiah. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. David's kingdom was sometimes a reflection of that coming kingdom, sometimes a poor reflection. But what we're going to see is a time of battle and David trying to take the throne with some opposition. We'll look at how that played out and some of the brutality of it and the lessons we can learn. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, David casts a shadow of the Messiah. Many times what you'll find in the Bible is that characters in the Old Testament will cast a shadow of the coming Messiah. One I can think of in particular is Joseph. Joseph's response to his brothers when he finally reveals himself late in the book of Genesis is, I am Joseph. And the whole time he had been hiding his identity and put his brothers through the paces. And his brothers may have expected at that point that Joseph would say, get out of my sight. I want nothing to do with you. You sold me into slavery. You betrayed me. I am your flesh and blood. But Joseph does just the opposite. He says, I'm your brother. And don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me. For God sent me to this place ahead of you to spare life. Indeed, to spare the 12 tribes from one of those tribes, the Messiah would come. His name is Jesus. He's from the tribe of Judah. David, in the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, also cast a shadow of the Messiah. And it's been a long struggle for David. He's been anointed as the king, unexpectedly, the youngest of seven or eight. You know, the prophet came to the house and said, you know, surely this must be the one. Surely this must be the one. Nope, 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 nope. Hey, do you have any more kids around? Well, there's one out in the field. He's kind of ruddy, which means he had red hair. So every, every one of you who have red hair, praise the Lord. David did as well. He had beautiful eyes. He was a strong young man. But his strength was really in his relationship with the Lord. And God said of David, that is a man after my own heart. Don't look on the outside, for God does not judge things on the outside. He looks where? At the heart. And David was God's king. And, and, and in this way, David, this is one of many ways, and he, and he doesn't do it perfectly. We, we know David's going to have his problems and he's going to have his shortcomings. He does not perfectly cast the shadow of the Messiah, for no human being can. <laughs> Amen. But there is some typology there. And think with me now. We all know David is the man after God's own heart. But the ultimate man after God's own heart is Jesus. I always do those things that please my father. Not sometimes, not most of the time, not 75% of the time. I always do what pleases my father. I'm trying to tip the scales over 50%. How many of you are in the same boat? I want to do his will all the time, Paul says, but I find another law in my members, right? I'm in a battle. And 
the book of 2 Samuel is really about a conflict. It's about who will accept the king, the true king. And not everybody's going to accept him and not right away. In fact, uh, if you look at the chronology of David's life, it may have taken as much as 20 years for him to finally rule over all of Israel. Think about it, 20 years. You say, why? Because God was trying to show something else in the elevation and the ascending of David to the throne that it's not easy. And to think about the shadow, not everybody accepts Jesus as their king. Would you agree? We have a world around us right now that many of them spend their lives to try to debunk the Bible and debunk Jesus, though they're doing a very poor job because they don't want to accept him. We will not have this man to rule over us, they say. But Jesus is the king. And to him, how many knees? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is king or Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a great scene in the Lord of the Rings movies where Boromor has been struck by multiple arrows and he lay dying. Aragon gets to him. The Return of the King, I think, is the, the movie the, of the trilogy there. And as Boromor is dying, he looks at Aragon, who's come upon him, and says, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. I would have followed you anywhere. This is the passion of the people of the kingdom of God. And I wonder how we're all doing. Do you ever come to the end of the week and say, well, let's see, how well did I follow my king this week? How much time did I spend thinking about the king and the kingdom? And how, many, how much time did I spend thinking about me and my kingdom? Hmm. You know, modern day evangelicalism has to fight this selfish tendency that we all have. And sometimes we feed it that the church is about us and about what we can get out of it. No, that's not what the Christian life's about. The Christian life is about following your king. Wherever he calls you to go, whatever he calls you to do, wherever he calls you to be. And so we pick up the account. Your kingdom come is the message. 2 Samuel 2 verse 1. Then it came about afterwards, if you have an NIV, it says in the course of time that David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. So David said, where shall I go up? And he said, to Hebron. Now David inquired of the Lord after or afterwards or in the course of time. This is, of course, just looking at the chronology. What just happened is Saul has died on the battlefield. His sons have died with him. There's only one son remaining. We're going to meet him in this text. His name is Ishbosheth. That may be a nickname. We'll talk about that in a second. This son was not with Saul on the battlefield. Saul and Jonathan and his other sons died on the battlefield. And so David has led the nation in mourning for Saul. You remember that was the end of chapter one that we looked at. And he taught them the song of the bow. And he lamented Saul and lauded Saul for the good things that he had done, not the poor things, not the bad decisions. And he had taken the nation through grieving, which is something a leader has to do. 
Right now, we have a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties, and leaders are put in a position to try to take people through grief and loss. I think of President Bush, who, you know, after 9-11 was standing out there by the rubble and tried to address the nation really with a, a bullhorn in his hand, trying to cheer us on and encourage us that life could continue. And David was in that same situation you know, the king had fallen, and not everybody knew about the weaknesses of Saul. They wanted a king like all the other nations had a king, and now they had him, and now he was dead. You think about the assassination of a president or a world leader, and that's how the nation was feeling. Not everybody knew about David. Yeah, he had been celebrated about, you know, killing his 10,000s and taking on Goliath, but not everybody knew all the details. You know, David was pretty much secretly anointed in his father's house when he was young. And now David's been on the run from Saul for a long time, uh, a long stretch of years. And finally, Saul has died, but not at the hands of David. David would not kill Saul. He would not touch God's anointed. David waited for God to do the work. Isn't it so hard to wait? <laughs> Imagine that you know you're in line to be the king and you may be feeling like, man, I could be a much better leader than this guy. But the Lord says, you wait. Because God was doing something in David in that time as well. He was doing something in the nation. We are called to wait on the Lord. Now David, as he laments Saul, he then inquires of the Lord. This is something that Saul failed to do, but David inquired of the Lord and said, shall I go up? You may be asking, how did this happen? By what means did God speak to David? In 1 Samuel, there's two primary ways that we see that God speaks to David. One is through the ephod. Some of you say, what is an ephod, Pastor Michael? An ephod is the garment of a priest and often... For the high priest alone, he would have the stones of the 12 tribes next to his heart. He would have what's called the mysterious Urim and Thummim. We don't know how it worked. All we have is conjecture. Some people say stones would light up. We don't know for sure. But it would be nice on some weeks to have an ephod around, wouldn't it? Can I get a witness? This is some of our... Hardest things in the Christian life. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go up? Should I not? Should I stay or should I go now? Which was a song many years ago. If I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double. Come on, let me know. <laughs> all right, that's enough. So we all wonder by what means and there's other places in the Old Testament where a prophet speaks to David. So David inquires of the Lord and a prophet gives the word. Get out of this place, do this, do that. Some of you are thinking, well, how does it work today? Well, David didn't have a complete Bible like we have. And we have a couple of things that are really advantageous in the New Covenant. Number one, we have the complete word of God, the full canon Number two, we have the Holy Spirit living where? Inside of us. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Does that sound like a promise to you? It does to me. James in chapter four says, you have not because you ask not. 
You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on the armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. Number two, we have the Holy Spirit living where? Inside of us. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Does that sound like a promise to you? It does to me. James in chapter four says, you have not because you ask not. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And all God's people said, ouch. Sometimes when we're praying, God's saying, no, that's not the direction. That's not where I want your focus. And we keep beating on that door. And sometimes God says no or wait. And we're like, God's not talking to me. Oh, he is. Sometimes we just don't want to hear the answer. Amen? Amen. Now, I know we all struggle with the specifics. Like, can I turn to a Bible passage that says, should I move to this location or not? A Bible passage that says, should I take this job or not? We're commanded to ask and seek and knock. But even in that process, what does that cause you to do? Go to your Bible. Go to prayer. That can be a healthy process. And even to say, Lord, not my will, but hello? Yours be done. Wow. There's a lot that God does in the process when we pray. God, if you want me to do this, open a door. David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. David is said as a contrast to Saul. We've looked at this in the past. First Chronicles 10, 13 says that Saul asked counsel of a medium, medium making inquiry of it. First Chronicles 10, 14 says, and he, Saul, did not inquire of the Lord. The most important thing to see here is that David inquired of the Lord. Do we? How many decisions do we make week in and week out where we don't even bother to ask the Lord what he would want us to do? And then when we get ourselves in a tight space, then we pray. Well, I'm all out of options, Lord, so I guess I'll gulp. Pray now. Oh, good. <laughs> Can you imagine being the Lord up in heaven looking at us? And how we deal with things. I know he's used to it by now, but still. And so David inquired. The Lord spoke to him. And this is something that makes David 
of course, casting a shadow of Jesus Christ is that he inquired of the Lord. So David went up, verse 2, 2 Samuel 2. He went up there uh, where God directed him and his two wives. We won't talk much about his two wives, but I will say this, that right now David has two wives. And um, some of you are thinking, well, why does God let people get away with this? Well, they never quite get away with it. I'm sure you've probably noticed if you've read accounts where there's multiple wives in a man's life, it usually doesn't go very well. Amen? So I will say this, David was not in God's perfect will here. And later he's going to marry other women. He's going to get himself in more and more trouble. So if you find a wife, you find a very good thing. A good wife, singular, is a blessing. You multiply wives, you multiply problems. <laughs> and that's where I will leave it for this morning. You have Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And so David did go up. He did obey God in the sense that he went up. And this is, of course, what we need to do when we ask God for direction. If he gives it to us, we need to obey him. If he says go, go. If he says stay, stay. If he says do this, then we need to do it. And David brought up his men who were with him. These were men who had been faithful to David through all the difficulty with Saul, the hiding in caves, the battles, each with his household. And they lived in the cities of Hebron. David had loyal men who followed him to Hebron. And just a, a side note, Hebron was the city of Abraham. The oaks of Mamre were at Hebron. There's a couple of major things to think about when you think about Hebron. Number one, Hebron was the only area where Abraham actually owned a parcel of land. It was a, it was a burial plot. It was a, a place to bury his loved ones. That's the only parcel of land in the promised land that Abram actually owned. So get this, God says, everywhere you look, everywhere you step, the land is yours, but it's not gonna happen in your lifetime. Talk about patience. The only thing you're gonna own is a cemetery. Oh, come on, Lord. Just one mansion? Maybe a couple of acres would be nice. It's a big promised land. No. But the patriarchs being buried in a plot in Hebron speaks of the what? The promises from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're all there, buried there. Speaking of the promises, the second thing about Hebrew, just to take, uh, Hebron to take note of, is that it was a, a priestly city. It was a city of refuge. And what's interesting about that thought is that God would be a refuge to David and he is a refuge to us. A refuge in the storm. We're going to have our difficulty too. We're going to have our difficulty walking after the kingdom, dealing with our own lives, trying to be faithful to what God calls us to be. And here we have a Levitical city or a city of refuge. And we have uh, the promises that link David to Hebron. Hebron is in the area of Judah, down in the south. You can think of the area of Jerusalem and, and in that area and below it. Then the men of Judah came and there, verse 4, anointed David king over the house of Judah. So remember, Judah's just in the south now. And they told David, saying, 
It was the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. So notice the men of Judah come. This may be the elders of the area. And they anointed David king. But only over what? Only over the house of Judah. What's interesting is we're going to see the seeds of the division of the kingdom come early on. Finally, under David and then Solomon, the tribes will actually unite. They will actually be one people under the leadership. But after Solomon, the, they fragment again. They are a people divided. It's the northern tribes and the southern tribes. Judah and Benjamin down here in the south, the area of Jerusalem, the Dead Sea area and so forth. And up north, the Galilee region, the 10 northern tribes. And even a nation that was supposed to be one and supposed to be a light to the Gentiles could not even be united. Sound familiar? In fact, we're about to read about a civil war in Israel. There's a civil war in the history of the United States, but there's another war going on in our country right now. And here's what it is. What do we really believe? Who are we as a people? What are our foundations and do they really matter anymore? That's a question that is uh, before us all the time. And when I talk about our foundations, I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Christian Judeo ethic. I'm talking about the things that spring from that. And so David is anointed king and he, he must have asked about Saul and what happened with the burial and these men of Jabesh Gilead, we've, we've uh, read about them earlier. They were the ones that bravely walked all night. They came and got Saul's body and they gave him a decent burial. So David's been anointed as king, but he has to wait and wait and wait some more to be finally over the entire nation. What are some good examples of waiting? Uh, some of you had to wait a while to, how many of you were excited about getting your driver's license? I could not wait. Now, some teens in our culture seem to be a little hesitant about getting on the road. I'm not sure what's going on there. I know we're a little hesitant about them being on the road. I, I understand that. I remember one time we were, we were uh, coaching a uh, Little League All-Star team. It was 13 and 14-year-olds. And we were having a practice on the field. And one of our players pulled up in a van. We are a little concerned because we are coaching 13 and 14 year olds <laughs> so anyway there you go some some people don't wait apparently so David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and he said to them may you be blessed of the Lord because you have shown this kindness to Saul your Lord and you have buried him another great thing about David's leadership is that he he encouraged these men of Jabesh Gilead who showed bravery, risked their lives. He complimented them. And that's something that good leadership has to do as well. We need to be encouragers. And encourage means to put courage in. Discourage means to take courage out. What would you say you are, generally speaking? An encourager or a discourager? Well, David was an encourager and he said, may you be blessed. You've shown loyal love. You've shown hesed. And now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you, a great prayer. And I also will show this goodness to you. David says, I'm now the king and I'm going to do this thing to you as well. I will show it to you. You know, most people, you guys, are not gonna see God's love unless they see it through you. 
Would you agree? Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. If you were to simplify the Christian walk, what you could just say is, Lord, let everything I do this week be done in love. Let me speak the truth in love. Let me defer in love. Let me do uh, kindly in love. Let me be careful of my words in love. And so David says to them, now therefore seven, let your hands be strong, be valiant. He puts courage into them for Saul, your Lord is dead. I know we've gone through a national tragedy and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. David says, I'm your king. Be strong, be valiant. I will support you. I will bless you. But now we're about to have a swing in the story. There's a contrast with this man named Abner. Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. So all of a sudden, Abner comes on the stage. Abner was Saul's commander. Abner, I don't think, liked David very much. And I think part of the reason Abner didn't like David was Saul's attitude toward David. Saul was bitter, jealous, vengeful toward David. And Abner was around him all the time. There was a scene uh, in, in the uh, book of 1 Samuel where David snuck into the camp and he took Saul's, uh, I think it was his spear in the water jug, went to the other side of the mountain and said, hey! And the camp over there had been sound asleep. The language is actually from Genesis when uh, Adam was put into a sound sleep. And he called from the other side of the ridge and he said, hey, look at what I've got. Aren't you guys supposed to be guarding your king? And then he called out Abner by name. He said, Abner, apparently you're not doing your job very well. I think Abner didn't like David very much. But Abner had spent a lot of time around Saul and Saul was throwing spears at David and trying to run down David. And have you noticed, if you have a person who is in your ear about another person and continually runs them down to you, even though you don't know them, you begin to form an opinion about that person. You hear what I'm saying? When you don't even know if those are the facts. I'd be careful about people who chirp in your ear about others who may not be giving you the straight skinny. And sometimes we have a, an opinion formed about a person before we've ever even said two words to that person. People love the gossip scene, don't they? The magazines on the rack right next to the mints. I'm just looking for mints. Oh, what's going on over there with that person? Boy, they don't look so good anymore, right? They always put the most flattering photos in those magazines, right? Faces contorted. Gain 10 pounds on the beach. <laughs> right? Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals. And you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app. Search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. 
You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.